Bridget, we're going to just keep this kind of short and sweet. Thank you for signing up to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. I mean, that allergies here in Georgia are trying to take me out. But other than that, I was able to watch the movie. So that's good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, talking some cartoons today. Uh, appropriately so on the podcast, Conversations About Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke. I'm recording in northern Minnesota, joined by Bridget down in Georgia. And today we've got the uh, latest release from Paramount Nickelodeon. Um, it's a whole new adventure. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I mean, they're certainly no strangers to animation. Kind of a, a new uh, a new vibe with this movie. And we're here to discuss it. Yeah, I actually... The anime, I had to look at the animation style because I was like, I knew that it was like computer animated, but I was like, it almost looks like they tried to make it almost look like claymation, mm -hmm. almost, um, which I thought was interesting, which is like, I liked it. I liked the animation style, but I was like, that's not what I expected. Cause like the other ones they've done, like there's a, there's a show on Nickelodeon or Paramount where they're like more like gumby type animation i don't know how to they like their limbs are not as like textured as they were in like the movie um so i liked mm. i liked the detail they put into this movie um, i imagine um there's large discrepancy between some of these properties that have animated series that also have like regular film installments like paw patrol uh I've never seen the show. <laughs> um, seen oh, the trailer. I've seen them all. <laughs> seen them all. <laughs> I, I imagine the show looks a little bit primitive, a little you know wireframe compared to this latest blockbuster movie, uh, Saw Patrol or whatever they're calling it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the Mighty I, Movie. I, I, yeah. yeah, we haven't seen that yet. I imagine that will that will fall on our radar. But yeah, I would say in comparison, the last one they did. It's just like much more like the show is like pretty well animated, I feel like for a kid's show, but yeah. you could definitely tell that they like stepped it up. There's a lot more detail. Things looked a bit more realistic. Like you can see their fur moving in the first movie. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely differences. I was like, ah, oh, yes, they had a big budget for this. Yeah, um, I guess not a ton of context. Behind. I'm just more interested in keeping this short and simple. Because uh, I am, I'm not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, or a, I guess a devotee by any means. I'm not like, you know, I've got nothing against Ninja Turtles. It was just never part of my repertoire, my vocab. Uh, growing up as a kid, um, like I know they had the cartoons. It was that series in the late '80s began in I think '87. So I mean, the original comics, of course, were. Uh, published independently at Mirage Studios, founded by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in uh, 1984 in their own home using money from a tax refund and a loan from Eastman's uncle. And they printed copies of the first issue of Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> and advertised it in Comics Buyer's Guide magazine uh, and attract the interest of comics distributors. Uh, so this straight from the Wikipedia entry is just kind of one of those um classic phenomena. I, you know, had kind of I I guess a good primer on it by uh, watching the show on Netflix, The Toys Who Made Us. Did you see that? Yep, I was gonna mention that if you hadn't. <laughs> yeah, just a whole media empire set around these wacky cartoon characters envisioned by Eastman and Laird. Uh, I mean, what could be more off the wall than than a bunch of turtles who are ninjas? <laughs> yeah, they're like skateboard bro ninja turtles who like pizza in New York. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I honestly, it was probably one of those things where it was like people 
I imagine maybe even younger people were like, oh, I mean, I'm tired of Superman and Batman. They're like, what if they were like cool and hip, but they're turtles. So therefore they're super. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I <don't>... huh? <laughs> Yeah, I I wasn't trying to be anything too disruptive or sub- subversive. I don't know. I mean, it was back in the time when, you know, people were less conscious of trying to be that. They were more just doing their own kind of punk thing. I mean, that's um, Yeah. Yeah. And that, well, like, what if what if there are super turtles just like us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing on standard superhero tropes like this is, you know, technically a superhero franchise. Um, I guess one of the more recent installments in the Ninja Universe uh, was the direct-to-video film Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 2019. I don't know you never saw that, did you? What? I <laughs> have never heard of this. I did not know that existed. There's also a direct-to-video, uh, you know, DC animation. I guess Mutant Turtles Superman Legend is this uh, is this tied tied into DC? I guess this is that like come out some like on a streaming channel or is it just like a random DVD they made? Yeah, this 1996 movie I'm seeing, Mutant Turtles Superman Legend. Um, it's actually a an original video anime, an OVA, as they say in ah, yes. uh, from <laughs> Japan. Uh, yeah, produced by B Media and Subaraya Productions. That that's not quite as mainstream, and I don't know if it has any connection actually to DC Comics. It just has the word Superman in the English title. <laughs> but no, there there was a crossover. See the thing, yeah, about Ninja Turtles, this kind of its own little bubble, uh, Paramount, Nickelodeon. Like, uh, I guess it's kind of nice in that way that it's sort of insulated from the the the, the corpsely uh, all the universes. <laughs> yeah, you know, universe franchise fatigue. You know, you get with all the crazy crossover attempts like the dreaded uh, space jam a new legacy crossover event or um you know pick your disney you know, i mean I, ralph breaks dr. The internet strange with... <laughs> yeah yeah dr strange in the universe of the turtles ralph breaks the internet has its merits but it's uh you know kind of you, you'll roll your eyes at the concept you know hearing about it nowadays where it's every Disney property rolled into one film. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of nice to just have something that's its own thing, <laughs> like uh, like David Pumpkins. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Halloween season, you know. I mean, Ninja Turtles, it, that's got kind of a, a spooky vibe too, kind of very macabre in how the, the series has developed and how it originated. Um, so I don't know. Do you, you think it fits with the the seasonal theme a little bit? <laughs> I mean, maybe. If anything, it's a great group costume. If nothing else, that was actually one of my ideas this year. I was like, we could do Ninja Turtles, and of course, my kids were like, "No, that's stupid." So we're not being Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a little bit of bulk to those costumes. Uh, it, it's maybe a little bit of an involved process getting decent quality <laughs> i'm sure oh, well yeah if you want to be like movie accurate they have like the big head like mascot character costumes but like my sister she actually did it when oh, gosh i was like 22 so she was like 16 or 17 and she just had she had a ninja turtle backpack did uh, she put on a beanie and then had like the ninja i guess eye bandana thing and then just painted her face green <laughs> more green she was like i'm a turtle i'm a ninja turtle the end and i was like well you know what accurate honestly points for <laughs> just doing uh an interpretation like a creative interpretation sometimes that's all you need it's like your disney bounding yeah yeah exactly she was turtle bounding and she did it before it was cool that was before <laughs> they did all the reboots yeah. so <laughs> Yeah, you know, turtles did appear at Disney parks at one point. There was a promotional tie-in back in the early '90s. MGM Studios, before it was Hollywood Studios, 
Um, you know, they, they ventured out into other brands. Um, yeah, it's, it's less, it's a, everything's a bit more siloed now. Uh, well, this Batman thing, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm still based. interested in the Batman thing. It's you know, Troy Baker as Bruce Wayne, Eric Bowser as Leonardo, Darren Crisis. I mean, it, it's a whole litany of voice over performers, you know, that, that I could rattle off having done these voices over the years. That's not that interesting i don't know if i'll even mention the cast here for newton mayhem uh, maybe a little bit but i i doubt any of these kids have really done anything overly recognizable i don't know did you look into yeah <clears throat> uh, i looked so i didn't look a ton at the kids i've actually never heard of any of them so i assume that they're obviously like maybe younger up-and-coming actors like because I'm, I'm assuming they're teenagers but they had a huge amount of like bigger names that I did not expect um which yeah I was like I knew Ice Cube immediately and obviously Jackie Chan which I found out yesterday that my daughter doesn't know who Jackie Chan is so we're gonna have to watch Rush Hour apparently all of them so she can know Jackie Chan like I did as a child uh <laughs> but yeah I was like naming off all these people she's like I don't know who any of those people are except for maybe like Paul Rudd and I'm like oh okay cool cool good talk uh, uh let's see Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is based on yeah, comic, comic book miniseries <laughs> Batman slash Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles by James Tinian and Freddie Williams II. Uh, focuses on Batman, Robin, and Batgirl teaming up with the Ninja Turtles in order to save Gotham City from chaos at the hands of Shredder and Ra's al Ghul. Uh, produced by Warner Animation, associated with DC and Nickelodeon. And... Uh, Gosh, what is it even about? Uh, do, how do they, how do the Ninja Turtles, they, well, okay, there's a whole, I think, aspect of the Ninja Turtles where there is like dimension hopping and stuff with a uh, Krang and I don't know, he, Dimension X. So it's not out of the realm of imagination that they, I mean, with all this stuff, you know, there's any, any way of having these crossover events take place. Um, Let's see, but there's the Shredder, Cloud Cedar Machine. I don't know. I, I think in this, it just assumes that um, the the Turtles and Batman have always existed in the same universe. That's kind of what I'm curious about is like, do they go through sort of the eye roll inducing effort of the multiverse plot mechanics to try to justify the crossover or do they just kind of do something new? and it's just like they've always existed here they yeah end. yeah just like <laughs> t tell something new and original they've always been in the sewer and you just didn't know it yeah the whole like yeah you have to open a portal you have to jump to some alternate dimension you have to you know make jokes about back to the future like that's just you know it's it's wearing so thin now and i don't know there's this new loki series that's out i mean I'm sure there's the, the, wait the new one's out the new season. Oh, yeah. I was not aware. I actually really liked Loki. Yeah. Out of all of the many many things they have done in the last couple of years, I really liked Loki. I liked all the characters, so I'm like, yeah. I did not know it was. I I heard it was coming back, but I didn't know it was so soon. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll probably watch that. <laughs> I heard like the dynamic between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston is charming, uh, but like the um what's his name is back the the new uh more um the bad guy the bad guy uh jonathan wasn't it kang, kong kang, jonathan majors kang, kang whatever kang kong Walker. something like that yeah. yeah um he's um you know the time lord <laughs> well you know <laughs> he's not a time lord but <laughs> was originally set up to be like the new Thanos style threat. And it just, that doesn't seem to be working at all. Plus majors has had, you know, some off screen yeah. troubles. Um, Controversy. <laughs> so they'll probably just have to totally, I don't know, sh shift gears. Um, they probably just switch. They should just jump right to Mephisto and just call it a day. Just jump right to him. You know, he's coming at some point. You got yeah. Agatha and Scarlet, which he's coming. Yeah. They'll probably have to change gears a bit up with, uh, with some of these, because uh, I mean, you know, how, how do you top Thanos when and, I know. you know 
<laughs> the, a lot of the stuff hasn't just uh, people are fatigued, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Hence why uh, stuff like Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a bit of a, a breath of fresh air. Uh, I know you mentioned Spider-Man. Too. You, you recently caught the second Spider-Verse movie. I know that mm-hmm. is, is full of multiverse, but it actually happens to execute it in an effective way, you know, in a very emotionally like character driven way. It's justifiable, especially with the way they're kind of leading up to just this culmination into a, a trilogy and, and not having any plans beyond that. Yeah, I- I'm glad that, like, I'm glad when they're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to finish it out here. And I'm like, good, leave it there. Don't, but, uh, don't add any more. <laughs> don't do anything else. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll have to wait a little bit longer before the next Spider-Verse movie than previously anticipated. just because of the rigorous uh, production schedule. And, of course, you know, all the issues with the, the strikes and, uh, you know, labor stoppages. Uh, with Ninja Turtles, I'm excited for whenever they might have to come out with a sequel to this one. You know, this is a lot more to explore in in the Ninjas universe, and this one doesn't even cover the initial conflict of the first run of comics or that original film adaptation from 1990, uh, independently produced by Mirage Studios, uh, featuring effects work puppet effects from the the Henson company back in the day and which I just recently saw for the first time the the original 1990 live action Ninja Turtles adaptation uh very impressive that they were actually able to pull off something relatively convincing uh back in that era yeah that that's like my first memory of the Ninja Turtles because mm-hmm. I mean at the time I was like wow that's kind of scary but mm-hmm. like fun it kind of reminded me of like the characters from like the dinosaur movie or not the dinosaur like show back in the day that I think was also like they were like puppeted characters. Um, But yeah, that's like what I remember. And then they had like the cartoon as well back then. Yeah. The same technology from the Jim Henson company. Um, And you got kind of a whole film festival series you could do of like the the henson films the the sort of larger scale productions that feature a lot of heavy um puppetry and animatronics uh especially these very like uh caricatured faces that that have a lot of moving parts and it's, it's really impressive seeing all the <laughs> the joints and um remote control articulation uh, like beginning with the Dark Crystal, you know, of course, there are the Muppet movies, um, uh, Labyrinth is another one, never, yeah, never I was ending story. yeah. I was gonna say, I was like David Bowie, David Bowie, I was like, it was coming, I was gonna get there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a great kind of film marathon you could do, uh, back to back of. Dark Crystal, Neverending Story, and Labyrinth, because they're all similar vibe. Neverending Story, that wasn't Henson Company at all, but um, at least as far as I know, I think that was all like European production. But it's just, it's such a cool look. Um, It wasn't, I don't think, it only ever saw a certain level of success, like nothing of that genre really gained um you know superlative success compared to other forms of animation um but it's it's a cool aesthetic nonetheless uh, it deserves a little bit of uh, a little more love than i gets i think um what's in the little shop of horrors has the plants yeah audrey <clears throat> yeah they uh well i was looking it up just to see like if there was any and i'm like i wonder if it's because sometimes the characters just kind of look I don't know scary I'm like is it scary to little kids because you have like the dark crystal and labyrinth and stuff like that that is like a cult following that like kind of gained later mm-hmm. and so I'm like is it because they were scary when we were kids but now we're older and we can appreciate it <laughs> I it's maybe a bit um <laughs> off-putting to kids in a way um because yeah some of the darker uh, subject matter but I, I think what makes it inherently uh, a struggle for some viewers is the way that that style is 
like patently for younger audiences in, in many people's minds, sort of like how animation itself Anime. is ghettoized to younger audiences, especially in the US, you know, compared with, say, Japan, where it's more embraced by adults. Um, puppetry is is e even more so like exclusively deemed the realm of, of kids, I think, for a lot of audiences. So I think that's why those movies often struggled at the box office. They're like, I can't be seen. I have to go watch Oppenheimer. I cannot be seen <laughs> seeing a kid movie <laughs> with uh, like the dark uh, crystal where all the birds eat all the, the things. But no, for kids, characters that are obviously, you know, crafted from felt and having, you know, you know, puppeteers move them around. And it's not, you know, the, the voice. Uh, matching isn't super convincing either you know it's <laughs> well yeah well because they don't have like i mean it's kind of like i like we watched the muppet movie when it came out yeah. like the one that had um jason siegel amy adams and all them and i thought it was such a funny movie but i had i knew people who were like oh that's a kid's movie and i'm like muppets are for everyone when are you guys being weird yeah so i guess i could see it because like you know their mouths just kind of pop 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 they don't move like a person's mouth does when they're talking and things but i'm like yeah you just suspend reality don't it's reality doesn't exist it's it's an interesting <laughs> niche i i haven't even fully gone into it myself with uh of course star wars i think definitely um transcended that quite a bit with the way a lot of those effects were um you know done in in a very effective you know and, and convincing fashion using you know, that sort of more lighthearted technology like uh you know the yoda puppet um you know it's made you know essentially a hand or a you know a sock on a hand but just really uh made using real um advanced prosthetics and and uh makeup design but then uh yeah you you got uh nowadays um th things that are trying to give movies animated films that are entirely you know wireframe cgi 3d computer animation uh a lot more of a tactile feel um you know one thing i loved about like the latest tron movie tron legacy now you know 13 years old at this point but just the way um that that computer world was made to feel so real everything looked very photo real um but this teenage mutant ninja turtles uh, mutant mayhem um, kind of lends a certain gritty reality in a different way where it's very stylized, but you feel like you're in a world that, you know, is kind of <laughs> very lived in, very uh, full of interesting sights and smells. Oh, yeah. And it's like kind of a it's like this is this is New York. This is what New York is like. <laughs> like the only thing that I was like, because like, I like the way that it looked. But the thing that weirded me out was how everyone's heads were all so wonky. Yeah. All of the humans had weird heads. <laughs> like the news anchor lady, her chin was like all the way to the right. And the rest of her head was not. And I was like, what? What did I get? Like, I see they do that a lot in a lot of animated movies where they're like, haha, they're animated. So their faces are different. But yeah, there's a couple that I was like, man, they just look like they drew. I don't know. Like they drew a trapezoid and then just kind of pulled the lines around. Very, it was an interesting look, but I did like I liked the animated animation style overall. Yeah, it's uh, especially grotesque in this case where yeah, it's, everything's very asymmetric, <laughs> asymmetrical, and I don't know. Re I guess uh, reflective of certain Nickelodeon cartoons from back in the day. Uh, was it like Ed, Ed and Eddie was one where all the characters were just really cartoonish and wacky and like their faces were odd shapes. Uh, you I know, love Ed, Ed and Eddie. A reference to <laughs> Hey Arnold. Uh, yeah, Hey Arnold and Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> the football shaped head, of course. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, it's calling back to various uh, predecessors. Um, but now, yeah, it's, it's a fully um cgi sucks but uh incorporating you know some of the less traditional cgi elements uh like cell shading that you don't always see in um like a, a major motion picture uh more more common in things like television animation 
because it's less costly. You don't have to render as detailed textures. But yeah, in, in this case, um, the lack of um, photoreal textures is made up for in the sketch-like detail that accompanies every asset um, and every visual effect, like the explosions, they're, they're like a bunch of scribbles. <laughs> Very, yeah. yeah, Mitchell's versus the machines in that way. Yeah, and well, even like, it kind of reminds me of some of like the Spider-Man scenes where it's like, yes, this is animated. This is, like, it's gonna be like wonky and fun because it's not real, so we don't have to make it realistic, which I like. I was like, yeah, I, I like when animated movies are animated, like, so I'm watching it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not trying to be live action like a lot of um, kind of more conventional CGI animation nowadays. Um, and, uh, you know, as uh, these studios are evolving their, their forms, their techniques. Um, and now we're able to see kind of any sort of interesting interpretation arise through fairly uh, inexpensive means with AI now capable of doing so much. Uh, the heavy lifting, uh, I, I imagine, you know, we'll, we'll just be seeing more and more, you know, unique and uh, creative implementations of CGI. Um, although, you know, people will be very conscious against, you know, using or relying on AI. If nothing else, it might just be like a tool for ideation rather than actual production. I'm sure it wasn't really a factor here very much in the finished product. Um, but yeah, for, for in this case, like it, it, I, it all just kind of rolls into the the way in which there are no rules <laughs> anymore when it comes to the medium. Yeah, well, that's that. So I looked up the kids, the four turtles. Mm -hmm. So two of them do have like voice acting credits and stuff, like Donatello and Raphael. They both have, which that's Brady Noon and Micah Abbey. They both have like stuff that they've done. Um, the Micah Abbey guy is actually the voice of Gumball. Okay. Have you ever heard of Gumball? Yeah, yeah. The show? Yeah, so he apparently took over in like the fifth season and he's the voice of Gumball. And then the other two, this was like their second thing they've ever done. So that's why I was like, they're so young that unless they're like, you know, been acting since they were an infant, they probably are newer. Mm -hmm. And then everyone else is like everyone you've ever heard of. So <laughs> yeah, but Seth Rogen obviously isn't it. Cameos, Bebop and Rocksteady are some of the more famous Ninja Turtles character. Yeah, John Cena. Uh, Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that it's, it's a warthog mutant character, and Seth Rogen was, you know, Pumbaa. <laughs> so he's kind of just reprising a previous role in that case. Well, and I, so I was reading, just I was looking at, like, you know, I like looking at fun facts about these movies. And because he was a producer, mm -hmm. he actually had the four turtles. Um, he had them actually record all together because they did that on the Lion King. So him, Donald Glover, and then, uh, gosh, what's the guy's name that did Timon? Um, his name. It's there. But apparently that when they did the Lion King, they had the three of them record together so they could kind of go off of each other. And, you know, you get like improvisation, them bouncing off of each other, energy, whatever. And so he was like, he liked that so much when they did that for the movie that he was like, I want them to do that because I want them to like, you know, have same energy feeding off of each other, not just like them recording separately and not talking. And so he like, apparently he was a big fan. And so he had basically everyone doing that. So when they have all the scenes of them, like, you know, all of them arguing and like all the mutant people arguing, they were apparently all in the the box together okay. working on it. Billy Eichner. Um, yes, yeah, Billy Eichner. Yeah, you know, I the I heard some things about this being very collaborative during the the voice recording process, um, and and that's a feature of a lot of Western animation for TV you, that you would often have the cast together or multiple members of the cast together to record lines before they do any animation work, and just adds a, a bit more of an organic feel to the dialogue. Um, it's less common, I think, with big budget you know blockbuster animation just because uh, a lot of celebrities it's you know the, the reason why you cast big celebrities for these roles because you can work around their schedules uh so so oftentimes the voiceover sessions are done solo uh, but that's yeah it's great if they're able to to develop a very 
real chemistry between these animated characters, which which they definitely did here. So you you mentioned um, Mitchell's versus the machines. Yeah. You know that Jeff Rowe is the one who co-directed that. Yeah. Yep. So and he directed this one. So I guess that makes sense why they're like might be similar ish. Mm hmm. I didn't know that. I was like looking at because I pulled up an article and that's where I had found the thing about them working together in the box. Mm -hmm. But I saw that one and I was like, oh, that's the guy who did this one. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. There would be, yeah, a bit of um, crossover, a crossover or a shared DNA, if you will. But yeah, uh, that was a Sony animation. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of these directors, they move around to different projects, uh, these various animation staff. I don't know if there's anything else in the works or recently that is also, you know, trying to adapt a similar style. Uh, but this this really does kind of its own unique thing. And yeah, you were mentioning like a, a claymation almost a little bit. Yeah. More yeah. Like you could, and that's I was like looking at it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is computer generated, but like the way it's animated, they almost look like clay figures, like not, but almost. So yeah. I was just like staring at it the whole time. I was just like, there's a lot of detail, but it like, it was like, I don't know. It was really weird. It was like, it's not, it was like animated detail to the point that it almost looks real, but not. It's interesting, Yeah. but not like people real, I guess. Humanistic. I guess is the word for it. <laughs> the, the odd shaped heads and stuff. It's all, mm -hmm. yeah, they used certain tools i'm sure in the software to give it more of that uh the feeling of the claymation puppets and uh even um there's this new chicken run uh film or series or is it run oh my gosh am i just out of the loop i have not heard about this this is interesting um because yeah if uh you haven't heard of it. I guess that's fault of Netflix, which sometimes isn't the I, best at promoting things. Yeah. I mean, I love Nimona and I don't think I heard about Nimona until it was like about to come out like the day before. I think you're like, hey, we're going to cover it. And I was like, what? Yeah. I have not seen it. What? <laughs> you can run Donna the Nugget Hatches on December 15th. Um, the sequel uh, released what? on Netflix. And it's a movie. Okay, um, 23 years after the original. And uh, what does it say about it? Because, I mean, nowadays you could be, you, you could do a whole chicken run on a computer and it would look virtually indistinguishable from the classic Ardman style clay and the fingerprints, you know, on the visible on the various, you know, the assets. That's... So I looked <laughs> it up. It says that Ardman Animations is... Huh going to be producing it with like an with uh studio canal and pathe i don't know is that yeah, it's a couple of uh, european um they're going to be doing it and that dreamworks animation which was part of the first one is not a part of it apparently they separated after they did flushed away with them so well that sounds like it's going to be yeah it's, it's going to be a real claymation animated film rather than yeah sort of a imitation does it apparently they are not they did not ask mel gibson to come back as the main chicken sure. <laughs> <laughs> judy swalla so judy swalla was the original voice of ginger been replaced now by tandy wade newton um so uh no i i don't know the swalla indicated that the decision was a result of ageism <laughs> her voice was considered oh, too cold man. for the part i don't know yeah yeah uh, she was officially plucked, stuffed, and roasted. <laughs> they said, ma'am, you've aged out. I didn't know you could age out of voice work so quickly. Uh <laughs> she was probably not asked. She was probably just never asked, kind of like she oh, she wasn't God. a spry chicken anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no spring chicken. Uh yeah. I, I like I, I love the chicken puns. Well, no, I did not know that was coming back. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um and, and Ardman, I mean they've kept busy over the years i mean they had a pirates movie that early man like those were all made using yeah. the, the, the full-blown wallace and gromit yeah say so they did wallace and gromit didn't they yeah the plasticine puppets okay. um but uh there were a couple ardman produced films that were computer animated in association with dreamworks 
not really sure how that works because it's not like the skill set really translates between building and animating these puppets and sitting down in front of a computer and make an anime. Well, I don't think I don't was flushed away. That was, was flushed away. That was a computer generated. Yes. Maybe it's just they took the aesthetic. Like instead yeah. of actually doing it, they were just like, yeah, we're going to take the aesthetic, but we're going to do it on a computer. But to what extent were the clay animators involved in that computer animated film? Were they just on board like as consultants? Maybe they were. Yeah, like maybe like consultants. Maybe they did like some. Maybe they made some pieces to like show like how they'd move. Yeah. So they could kind of Concept duplicate artist. that, but on a computer. Like the the illustration, you know, two D artists and stuff, concept artists too, or storyboard artists, maybe. Um, and then uh, Arthur Christmas was another one, but hmm. um, I did I did see that. This appears to just be something that they've been plugging away at. Um, yeah. No, I I think uh, you lose something when you're trying to fool people into thinking, oh, this this is a practical model, but it was actually done in a computer. Um, I, I don't think, you know, you know, we're reaching that, um, you know, just weird sort of singularity saturation point where people are just kind of tired of things and they, they want something a bit more authentic feeling. Um, so, so things that are a bit, you know, they, they take on a, a tactile feel, you know, the Barbie movie, you know, had some fun sets and, and quirky elements to you know make people feel kind of grounded in that and what was otherwise just a very fantastical world and plus it was it was like a straight comedy that uh you know is, is sort of rare nowadays and it just really worked for people um and, and a beloved brand as well um and then oppenheimer very you know the very much analog in its sensibility 70 millimeter film um just, just very kind of classic cinema. Um, oh, we're, we're talking about classic animation. Have you seen the newest Miyazaki movie? The, stu I, the Studio Ghibli film? Um, is it available to stream anywhere? I don't what? know. I haven't seen it yet. It, it's, I think it's The Boy and the Heron. But you, did you see that he was like, haha, just kidding. I'm not retiring. I'll never retire. I, <laughs> he's uh, like, oh, he's like, I'm retiring. Just kidding. I'm doing one more. And then this one came out and he was like, I'm not retiring. Just kidding. I'm doing, I'm doing more. He might as well like, keep going while he's got ideas in his head. Yeah. yeah. And I think like what it is, is like maybe he like gets kind of like stuck in like, okay, you know what? This is going to be the last one. And then he does it and like sees the reception and he's like, you know what? I have more ideas. I could just keep going. I could keep doing this, mm -hmm. which I'm fine with that because I love like the thing I like about Studio Ghibli is that like it has its own thing and it has like its own look mm -hmm. that it never gets old to me. And it's like it hasn't it hasn't given in yet to the times. And I'm like, yes, keep doing that classic pretty stuff because I like it. Yeah, no, there's no no replacing that. Um, I know there was that one attempt at a computer animated film, the uh, Earwig and the Witch. Yeah, was actually yeah. kind of fun and like, but it looked that was janky. Like it 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 looked very <laughs> plasticky um well i think was that one of the ones that was done by his son because yes. i know his son produces films and he's kind of like yeah i didn't do that <laughs> yeah no involvement from Hayao himself but he's, you know it definitely had the studio ghibli branding all over it um but yeah the, the boy and the heron uh stay tuned for that that uh will be a fascinating viewing the international release is going to be December 8th, 2023. That's the international one. So it is. I, I know that it's been available in Japan. Like, I think people have already seen it. It's called something different over there, clearly. But um, yeah, it's going to be available December 8th. And I assume that it'll come out in theaters. Yeah. My assumption. It doesn't say exactly. Well, well, <laughs> Not doing a deep dive. But <laughs> yeah. So I'll yeah. be interested. I want to see that. The... So Newton Mayhem, I, you know, borrows a lot from the comics, and I'm I'm sure there have been every kind of uh, comic book and perhaps cartoon arc that you could ever hope for. Um, 
to be explored in these these stories about the Ninja Turtles across various media. Uh, so, I mean, Superfly, that's not a character that I've ever heard of. Um, you know, that's the main villain here. I'm not familiar. I'm like, I'm not familiar with the character. I've never heard of it. Um, but like, I did like that there was a lot of uh, pop culture references throughout the movie, which I was like, I feel like some of them, because my daughter watched it before I did because she hates me. Uh, and so <laughs> she doesn't wait for me anymore. Um, so she watched it and I was like, I wonder how much of this she got because there's a lot of stuff I got. But I'm like, did she pick up on this? And also like the Attack on Titan references, I thought were kind of bizarre because I'm like, this is like a kid movie, right? Not like a little kid movie, but like a kid movie. Yeah, there's. Yeah. there's... Oh, that was interesting, an oh. interesting touch because I was like, I would not recommend Attack on Titan for anyone like under sixteen. Probably, it's very bleak, very bleak oh. show. This doesn't talk down to kids at all, uh, and I I find that very refreshing. But yeah, know, it you know it's not necessarily supposed to be aimed at me specifically as a thirty year old, thirty one year old. Um, <laughs> but okay, appearances from Superfly, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. It's a completely original character, yet kind of yeah, I'm sort of a mutant kaiju. At not to spoil the ending of the movie, but uh, <laughs> voiced by Ice Cube. Um, I, a lot of these mutant characters, though, they originated previously in the comics. Um, yeah, the creator, the the scientist Baxter or something. He was uh yeah, he's like a villain from the original. He was a scientist. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, this thing does a lot of new things, especially, you know, you're you're wanting to tell new stories within uh a blockbuster film and you don't want to just retread the same old um kind of territory. Um so yeah, there there's no foot clan here, there's no krang. Um some of these names that you know are commonplace amongst the teenage mutant ninja turtles lower but um you do get you get a little a little teaser for shredder at the end because i'm like that's the one i know like for sure i'm like that is like the main bad guy i know and so i was like oh interesting i'm like i wonder if they'll do a sequel and then at the end i was like oh i bet they will do a sequel (laughs) (laughs) yeah you got to bring in shredder um and then i think there's even um hints that like the Cynthia character is um you know is in league with Krang or something um mm-hmm. so I could I could play yeah because she has she has a super fly when he's not so super anymore at the end no spoilers sorry uh <laughs> yeah it's a it's a movie that you know is it's a PG film that really takes full advantage of you know so, sort of the darker content you can get away with for uh pg pg-13 level of intensity uh so that's i guess nice for kind of the older viewers but yeah for for younger kids and you know, parents might raise certain objections but overall this movie seems to have been doing well overall uh i said overall twice <laughs> um well, yeah, well, that's like, so I watched it with Oliver, <laughs> who's four, and, you know, but he likes Ninja Turtles, so I was like, oh, yeah, let's watch it, and he did like a lot of it, some of it, he, I think he got bored, like, you know, when they're talking too much, and he's like, okay, where's the punchy kicky, I want the punchy kicky, yeah, and so that's what I thought, like, because I assume that it's like, you know, probably, like, little kids could watch it, there's nothing that stood out to me that I was like, ah, my kid can't watch this, but and then like to older kids, but then of course that's what I was like. Some of the references I'm like are clearly directed at like the older crowd. The but I'm like, I, yeah. I guess they're like, yeah, like well, like I know the songs that they used. Seth Rogen was like, yeah, they're some of my favorite songs, so that's why we put them in there because I felt like they fit with the thing, and I like it so <laughs> with the theme, I guess. Um, yeah, but yeah, like mild. Curse I mean, Oliver liked it. Yeah, yeah, like Scarlett liked it. Oliver liked it. It crossed the board for four to ten year olds, apparently. Um, yeah. And then I liked it. I was amused. But yeah, it's, I told Scarlett that I was like, you can't watch Attack on Titan. <laughs> You're not old enough to watch that yet. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, it's a lot uh, more aggressive than this movie was. So, Yeah, for, for when they're a little older, uh, sort of budget, yeah, like, 70 million. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Donatello probably discovered that on his laptop, you know, streaming uh, 
you know, the uh, bootleg sub uh, anime from Japan and the just uh, maybe not the kind of thing that Splinter would <laughs> would really approve of as a as a bit of a sheltered rat. Yeah, I mean, I that makes sense because my my grandma when I was like four, she let me watch South Park because she didn't know what it was and she was just like, oh, it's a cartoon. She found out real quick. It was not a cartoon for children. Uh, I went home and I was like, mom, that's Kenny. And she was like, what? Oh, we have to call your grandma. <laughs> so I could see that happening. Life yeah. experience. Uh, yeah, that that is a big theme here. You know, there's there's multiple conflicts going on. Of course, the main conflict with the crime spree by mutants, the literal mutant mayhem going on. Uh, Superfly and his band of other mutants. Um I'm not going to probably go through the trouble of listing them all, but, you know, and of course, there's also the uh, issue of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles needing belonging. Raphael, I I don't know if I've even said their names, you know, classic Italian Renaissance painters, uh, Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello, uh, needing to find their place in the world, which they long for, having been kind of shut away in the sewer their entire lives by an overprotective master splinter um who i don't know his connection to ninjutsu in this adaptation is feeling the need to train the uh i guess movies play a big role pop culture in shaping the lives of these kids as well as splinter you know that they're all they love their tv and movies um so he basically just patterned their self-defense regimen off of jackie chan films Uh, yeah (laughs) so i didn't get to look and see if all those like snippets were any were those jackie chan i think so the ones that they show okay because i was like are those jackie chan or did they pick ones that he's like specifically not in because i feel like they should nod him in here I was I was like I have to go back and check and then I forgot. <laughs> and so I I think I just assumed that they were watching Jackie Chan movies because it's him doing the voice. Um, yeah, I think some of them were Bruce Lee. Yeah, but I know that him and Bruce Lee worked together back mm-hmm. in the day. So I'm like, I was like I I will have to go check and see if some of those were him because I was intrigued and then I just forgot about it. Yes, that's technically Chinese, you know, kung fu, Hong Kong cinema, um, and then. The turtles are ninjas, but whatever, it's it all melds together <laughs> in in the United States. I should say, you know, not to get called out for <laughs> to be super American. Um, <laughs> once it gets to America, it all becomes the same. You know, it's very different. You know, in its uh, in its original state, but uh, <laughs> it kind of. They said they said punchy kicky, and we added some ninja stars. There you go. <laughs> um, to kids, it's all. I mean, honestly, to little kids though, they're like, yeah. I want to hit like it was so funny while we were watching it. Oliver went and found his nunchucks. They're like they're not they're like foam ones. But he came in there and he was like, ha ha. And I was like, please don't hit me. I never watch this movie. Please don't hit me. Yeah, nunchucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, very true. I, I imagine um, Michelangelo. He's the uh, the orange bandana with the nunchucks uh, is maybe the most like coordinated uh, in his combat skills because he's able to rock the nunchucks um you know leonardo's got probably the head for strategy and you know able to keep a clear mind that's why he's the leader uh donatello you know he's you know <laughs> loves his gadgets love the loves the yeah. tech um, he's the nerdy it guy typically um he's by far the most valuable member of the team as a result because he's able to like hack in and i don't know get them out of any pinch you know in any of the various adventures they go on seemingly um but that's just kind of the role of the tech guy i think in a lot of media the the most crucial and yet uh sort of the most um unfocused like kind of socially inept uh in in a way but uh you know that's why you, you might pay him the most technically but you still <laughs> you still need your your leaders your uh you know leonardo's and and your your heavies your bruisers like uh, Raphael. you know Raphael yeah he was like full of rage 
he can he can take the most abuse. He's the one who actually wants to fight. So, yeah, that's that's the advantage of having him around. Uh, sense of justice. Um, so yeah, I, I I like the different archetypes. You know that they kind of play off of. Um, but uh, yeah, we were getting into um, the yeah the conflict of the turtles. You know they they're wanting to find longing in the world. Um, belonging um and and yeah an interesting twist at the end where like they do actually succeed at accomplishing their ultimate dream uh which is to be accepted uh and uh go to high school <laughs> their well their template for this is a, an odd culture reference i mean it's not odd because it's a very well-known reference but the hulk of all people uh and the fact that in Avengers Endgame, there's straight up reference that, you know, he's taking pictures with people in a diner uh, because these people saw him uh, saving New York from, you know, certain destruction. <laughs> and otherwise, you know, this hulking beast would be, you know, villainized. Um, but yeah these these ninja turtles and the you know the mutant rat uh who would never be accepted just out of context um now are able to function in regular society because they've uh <laughs> i guess because they've met the condition of proving that they're on the human side uh, so I don't know yeah. what, what kind of message does that send? Uh, it's it's kind of uh, uh, subversive in a way, wouldn't you say? Well, I, well, I think like like I thought I, I thought it was like a funny take, like a <laughs> like a ha ha funny take when they were like, oh yeah, humans just immediately anything that's different bad, and I was like, <laughs> I mean kind of, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny that it was like. Like, I think the whole message is probably like it only takes one person to be like, no, these people are not like bad just because they're different. That people it can kind of like turn the tide to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe we're just like jumping off the deep end and assuming they're bad right away. Um, so I'm like, I feel like it was like, yeah, I was like, oh, we have to do these things for people to like us. But I think it was one like that's what they thought. They're like, oh, we have to be like this for people to like us. When in reality, it's like, oh, we should just do this to like be a nice person. And then on the other side, it's like, oh, we should be more accepting and like take time to get to know people and then kind of stand up for those people if people are still being jerks. Because um, I, I read that Seth Rogen and them were like, oh, yeah, we basically this movie is about like the teenage experience. And it's oh, like, you know, you want you want to be accepted and you want people to like you and like maybe people don't. And like maybe it just takes like, you know, a few people getting to know you to realize that like you're not a weird like teenager like everyone is because literally that's everyone everyone's experience everyone's a weird teenager <laughs> so some people decide to be mean to the weird teenagers yeah, um, yeah so no. I'm like, i feel like it was like a good encompassing of that it's a it's a balanced approach rather than just sort of a a blanket uh one size fits all fits all you know you should be accepting of everybody or uh you know if they don't accept you then screw them you know it's like no you gotta kind of just get to get to know people and figure out their deal yeah it's like it's like april and her being puke girl and she's like you know what now i'm more than puke girl look at me <laughs> like her at the end and her locker said april oh hero mm -hmm. i was pretty pretty amused by that mm -hmm. um but yeah, so I'm like, I guess like it all makes sense because it's like, oh yeah, we want to be accepted, but sometimes you're just going to be weird and you're going to be puke girl. And maybe that's what you'll go down in history for, but <laughs> maybe you'll be a Ninja Turtle who gets to go to high school. Could be, well, <laughs> could be any of those. I, I mean, in April, you know, she'll go on to have a renowned career in journalism, you know, no doubt in this world as she does in all the various other adaptations, but uh, it you know it didn't come without trials as does every success story you know ha has its tale of overcoming adversity and for for april o'neill uh puking on camera was literally <laughs> her uh, news anchor birthing process <laughs> uh, 
and I'm I'm sure it'll pay dividends for her future. Uh, we all. I mean, have yeah, she's already gone yeah. viral. Yeah, she's yeah, already gone viral. She's already got a following. <laughs> yeah, it's already it's already paid off. Um, so that's that's a a wonderful lesson. You know, it's like you can start with just the most disastrous results at first, uh, but sometimes that's just what it takes to uh, get your <laughs> get your first taste of this this thing that you might then go on to excel at um and and really perhaps in order to excel at something you need to have you know your experience just really taking your lumps paying your dues we all learn that usually you know inevitably in certain ways maybe um we should be more accepting of taking those lumps more willingly, I guess, embrace the chaos <laughs> a, a little bit more at, at times. Um, and and we won't be as punished then when we do kind of fail at first by just, you know, being a bit more open to uh, things not being the way that uh, that we wish they were. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta roll with the punches. Yeah. Yeah, not and hopefully you, you stop getting punched eventually. <laughs> suspend our preconceptions yeah exactly if, if we just kind of um will be able to react um more confidently in the moment if we kind of put aside our preconceptions of how we think something ought to be or our fears that we're just not going to succeed no matter what uh, neither neither approach is um optimal all right uh any any other things to kind of mention here i push some boots into the or uh uh put some boots again <laughs> I, I i just saw that reference here uh somewhere but but um what, what, the last wish okay that that was another movie that had kind of a similar more uh painterly or you know artistic uh, well they also uh, took some inspiration from attack on titan surprisingly <laughs> that like whole fight scene at the beginning with the troll forest troll monster whatever it was that's like it is very similar to some of the action scenes and so i was like man all these like all these kid movies they're really trying to get these kids to watch attack on titan don't do it don't do it (laughs) (laughs) well and i I tried to it was so funny though because i was talking to godfrey about it and he was like oh why are they trying to get these kids to watch it like it's so bleak like it's a great story it's like a very well-written story about like you know fascism and war and things it's good story however very bleak and i told godfrey i was like if you think about it though when you're a teenager that stuff does not register as deeply as it does when you're an adult because you don't know like morality yet or like not morality mortality i mean um because like Uh when i learned about the holocaust in middle school there was no gravity to it because i did not grasp it but when you know like at 17 i was like oh man that's horrifying i'm like so i'm like yeah I imagine teenagers that watch it probably are not as shooketh as we were when we watched it. Yeah, when Attack on Titan was fairly new, and there were only like two seasons out, and I kind of devoured them, uh, the Japanese versions, and I, uh, I, you know, was waiting for the the next part to come, and you know, was enthralled by. You know what? Uh, what could possibly be in store with the you know origin of the Titans and you know all the different mysteries that have been set up? Um, but I just I never came back to it. Um, and you gotta you gotta come back. Yeah, it's been crazy. You should come back. <laughs> but I feel like if I do, I have to start over and maybe watch the English version just to to I don't know. I I actually don't think I can do the the English. I. I don't know. It's they have good voice actors. I will say I've watched both and they do have good voice actors for the English version. So I would say you probably could, but it might be weird. Like that's how I feel about my hero. Cause like my hero, I've watched him in Japanese and I tried to watch it in English and I was like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. It's not right. <laughs> the, uh, the physics of that show are, are so trippy. Like it's, it's weird how you're just supposed to take everything so seriously when they're they're flying around on these steampunk jetpacks. It's like what how what what kind of gas flying is through the air powering these things that allow them to fl- and then they they use grappling hooks too. But like 
what what kind of world would allow spider-man to exist within like sort of a more medieval style setting with without the like high-rise skyscrapers of new york city to propel it i don't know like that's that's why that's the stakes it's like you're not higher than these things you will die it would just be so (laughs) impossible in it's just so chaotic like it's completely nonsensical um you know it's like yeah like if nimona directed a a movie or a show (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's exactly that's exactly what that show is (laughs) Well, visually, but but then the plot, you know, it's supposed to be just this in-depth drama and everything is so, yeah, melodramatic. And like the, and but then, well, I guess it kind of makes sense. There's so much death. So many of the characters just get marked. With Out. No, Immediately. And I guess that, that makes sense because what they're doing is so implausible that most of them would just fail. <laughs> so I guess Yeah, that. and it's like realist, more realistic than some of the things. Because, you know, it's like, oh, the heroes always win. Or, you know, they just get roughed up and they're fine. But no, no. They're like, everyone's dead. Everyone but, dies. The miraculously, <laughs> there are certain characters who are just these crazy savants. That do, uh, yeah. The one blonde dude who's, I don't know, if it's like a woman. Armin? Person, but it's, it's so... Oh. Well, who's the blonde dude? Is that Armin? I, I have no idea. No Armin. Idea. Armin. He's like the friend to Aaron, the main character. It's yeah, it's so confusing because like he's yeah, he's very skilled warrior, but that his entire presentation in the show is, you know, this extremely effeminate Japanese, you know, Bishonen character and it's just uh, give him a male voice he, at least or something. Yeah. Well, he's like, and he's like the, well, cause he's like the brains to Aaron's like chaotic, just yeah. like, I don't know. He kind of just rushes in and fights everything. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to be the brains. Like, don't do that. Yeah. And then you have Mikasa who's just like, yeah, I'm going to go with him and beat up everybody. Bye. She, Bye. Yeah, she's the, uh, <laughs> She's the goat, you know. She yeah, oh yeah. Well, her and Levi, Levi's awesome too. But you know, you got oh, to Levi, Levi right? I, I have no Levi. idea. Yeah, I know. <gasps> I know. You guys. have to watch it. Get back on it. We have totally derailed this into Attack on Titan Zone, but you have to get back to it. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, all right. Let's see. Know, now that we've done that, no. My only other fun fact about this was apparently Splinter. When they were making the Splinter character. They based him off of Danny DeVito's body type shape. Uh, and then the Big Lebowski dude from the Big Lebowski. Mm. That is like his aesthetic and style. <laughs> I was like, because I was watching, I was like, I was watching it and I was like, man, what? Like, what? It's like the coolest single dad of the 90s ever. That whole scene of him when they were babies. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he looks like a 90s dad there. <laughs> yeah it's sweet and touching and you know it's, it's similar to the 1990s version too he was he was always a rat um mm-hmm. yeah just really cares for the kids what else is there to say not much i don't know i will say the baby the baby part when they were babies and doing ridiculous stuff and being silly that was my four-year-old's favorite part so that that's what really gets the kids cute baby turtles for sure <laughs> doing silly things um well, that was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, and yeah, we'll be back with some more animated content, maybe some Halloween stuff. Um, yeah. Directed by Jeff Rowe, uh, co-directed by Kyler Spears. Um, Kyler Spears, did he work on anything else? Mitchell's, also Mitchell's versus the Machines, so yeah, yeah, some definite con- connectivity with the style. Um and yeah, it's it's this whole new wave of hybrid CG or uh, computer um, wireframe and also 2D effects added kind of on top to just sell the illustrated quality of the of the material, um, and then a little bit of claymation too on top of that. So it's a, a best of a little bit of everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was I thought it was really cute. I mean, I really I liked it. It was fun. It had, I feel like it had the things that you need. It wasn't like, it didn't try to be melodramatic, really. It was just like, yeah, we're fighting bad guys and we're being funny and eating pizza. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want from a Ninja Turtle movie. 
I don't need anything. You guys don't have to fight Thanos. You don't have to do anything crazy. <laughs> no shortage of green gack either. So good throwback <laughs> for you. Your Nickelodeon classic days. All right. Um, thank you, Bridget. Uh, do you want to share any social media or anything? Uh, sure. You can find me on Instagram. That's Bridget. Bridge with a T. 5246. All right. Uh, find Thoughtcast, Thoughtcast.com, at Thoughtcast, Twitter, X. Let's just call it Twitter X. That'd be kind of fun. It's like SpaceX. <laughs> um, yeah, Instagram. Find me at Philip Elke, Twitter X, and Instagram. <laughs> uh, and uh, been a fun time chatting with y'all. And thank you, Bridget, once again for Bridget and everyone listening. Cowabunga. Have a magical day. Have a wonderful week. Warm hugs. <laughs> <laughs>